Welcome to the Yoshi Football Show. This is John Johnston, founder of CornNation.com. We're here with Yoshi Hardrick, former Husker offensive lineman and current NFL or current Canadian Football League star. I almost said NFL. Man, I wish. <laughs> well, you know, the NFL. I know that we I said we do a year of review, but now that I said that, I mean the NFL just got over. Did, I know, did you that watch was a lot of NFL stuff? Yeah, that's well, I didn't have a season this year, so I actually got a chance to pay attention to it. And it's all I followed on social media. So it's been like I was in a college or a kid again, just watching all the sports center for the highlights. Like you don't get that time when you're playing pro sports. Like we you barely get a chance to see the highlights of yourself in the Canadian highlights. You're watching so much film, you're so busy. So now I've been on NFL Network 24-7. I follow all the NFL sites. I usually unfollow them during my season so I can focus on my season and focus on what's going on in my league. So it's been good. I'm like a kid again, man. I know the backups. I'm trying to keep up with yardage and stuff again, man. So I love it. So and Dominican Sue, Levante David, and uh, Khalil Davis got rings. But Tom Brady got another ring, too. What do you think of that? Is it a good um, trade-off? Or are you a Tom Brady fan? I'm both. I'm a fan of fan of the Huskers winning. You know, Levante David went to junior college together. We came to Nebraska together. Right. So that bun is that bun is different. I texted him as soon as he won. And I got a text back early, early while he was still in the locker room. And it was, it was still the same love. So happy for the other two guys also. But a Tom Brady, huge Tom Brady fan. I'll never forget my first preseason game in the NFL. My wife was actually at the game. She had good season. She she just texted me. I remember checking my phone. She said, I seen Tom Brady face. And I was just like, yeah, I'm on the sideline. I'm the same way every time he comes on the field. It was just like I couldn't even believe I was in a Buccaneers uniform because I didn't play that game. I was still on the sideline. Just seeing him out there, seeing it live, I don't know. It's just one, it's one of my football highs. Did you see the statistic where David had played – like almost 10,000 plays and only had like nine penalties. I did. That, that is my, that's, I don't know. Uh, I, that's just remarkable to be out there that many times and not, 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 not just accidentally playing too hard, like grab someone's face mask, hold some, he's encouraged a lot. It's impossible to let a guy come in front of you and shake without hitting them sometime or grabbing them. Like you're making 140, 150 tackles a, a season. Like you're in a lot of action for that's that's a that's a great stat. Does that mean he's not mean enough? Oh uh, no, Levante <laughs> is a Levante is, is a silent is a solid uh, assassin. What I say, he won't say a lot. He won't speak a lot in a team meeting. He won't say a lot before the games. And over and over and over, the announcer said Levante Davis on the tackle. Levante Davis. It's just over and over. You, you don't get enough of. It. Wow. Well, they. It wasn't that great a game. I was kind of disappointed in the game, but I was I was happy for the the Husker guys. You know, especially Sue. You know David personally. I guess Sue, you kind of look at. He went to the NFL and became the bad guy. You know, for yeah. a lot of people, and it, it was nice to see him get a get a ring. And uh, okay, that's enough NFL. <laughs> All right. We, we we had we we took a layoff for a bit. You had some things going on. I had some things going on. And we never did a, a Husker year-end review, so let's do a Husker year-end review. And I'll 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 start with this question: What did you see overall on the 2020 Husker football season that bothered you like the most? 
bothered me the most, um, just from being an old lineman and being a, a fan of football and a fan of running, like a running coordinator or anything that has to do with a run game, I just didn't like, uh, like I had wrote down, my, it was a lot of lateral runs in my case. In my case, like we got outside, we did great sometimes, but I just, it's just too many plays in my mind that I can remember that we was, we was just, they just scratched us long, sometimes lost, sometimes a gain of zero and it just put you in a bad situation when we wasn't passing that great. So I didn't, I didn't like how much we ran lateral. I didn't like the quarterback draws as much as we did. We did have success in. I'm not going to take that away. We had a lot of success with the quarterback, with the quarterback uh, draw out of shotgun. It just for my, for for me, what this is my, this is my. I don't know the coach or anything. It just didn't sit well with me. It bothered me. Uh, not enough shots downfield, but I do remember one game that we took shots downfield that we didn't catch them and things like that. And the DBs that was often so far off in coverage. Like we talked about that one game that came up, but just for the for the for me the big picture, I saw more off coverage, deep coverage in the season than I saw tight. And there's nothing against the DBs. I just think they was where there was a line. They was a line ten to fifteen yard back. I'm not taking anything away from any player. I'm just thinking what I saw that I didn't like. And at times, you know, the snap gave us a game or two, but it wasn't a big uh, issue that that you hear about and see on social media snaps wasn't that big of a problem, but it was, it was just one or two games that it was, it was a big, big black eye. Well, it conversely, what did you see that gave you hope for the next season or for the few seasons coming up? Um, Cause I went to huskers.com and I started going down the list and I, how many returners did I see that made me just, I just started smiling. I don't know stats. I don't know anything. I was going down the roster. I saw Cam Britt still coming back. I saw Will Honus. I saw Deontay Williams. I saw Desmir. I saw JoJo. I saw Ben Steele, Casey Rogers, Tyrod. Like going down the roster, these are names that I'm still seeing on the 2021 roster. And it just made me smile. And, um, you know, we had a young team that flashed at times that I thought and showed some potential if, you know, we're still talking about potential. If we can get it together, but I just think, man, we can we can lean on this defense a lot, man. And you know, Martinez is coming back, and I just don't know what we're gonna do at running back though. Like, we lost we lost what our top three of our top four rushers. Well, it, it, that's the thing. I mean, the the guys you named is all coming back or on the defense. Uh, Luke McCaffrey went away. Wandale transferred back to his home state of Kentucky. Uh, you know, those guys are on the offensive side of the ball. Do you think that that points to a problem on the offense? Or do you just think that there's too many guys on offense or where the transfer is not that big a deal? Or uh, I, When I was looking at what happened with the transfer, I thought I saw one deal on ESPN that was in quotes. He wanted to be closer to his mom. And Luke, I can't find anything of why he transferred, but when you think about it, it's only one ball on offense. It's only one ball. <laughs> and, uh, yeah, it's only one ball, and that can come down to uh, – I think McCaffrey probably wants to play. I don't know for sure, but Martinez is coming back. I don't know. He has 20-plus starts here. He probably will have the upper hand on this, his, the job again. And McCaffrey probably ready to – he's ready to shine. He's ready for his chance. I don't blame him for that. It was – I don't know. It was a little different when I was here, but I do remember Cody Green doing the same thing. So I can't say that much. So Cody Green did the same thing. He got his chances. He did good. He did some bad. But Taylor Martinez was coming back. 
that's what Taylor Martinez was coming back and Cody Green. I forgot where he went, but that's I, what did he go to Oklahoma from. State? I thought he went to either Oklahoma State or I thought he went to SMU. Baylor. Baylor? Okay. Was it Baylor? I, I don't know. I thought it was Baylor. I don't know. He went, <laughs> he, he went somewhere, and that's that's what this case reminds me of. A guy wanting to play, and a guy know he can play somewhere. Like it's a lot of D one schools out here, so he's just he's just betting on himself, and I I like it. Well, I don't like that he's transferring, but I like that he has the confidence to bet on himself. So there was no, there's no transfer portal when you were in school. And, and no. the last, the last that I checked, I think I sent you something that there were 1,100 players. There's like 1,500 players in the transfer portal. So I, I guess the question is, is do you think this had been different for you if there was a transfer portal back when you played? No, because I remember, I remember my junior year at Nebraska, and I came here from junior college, and I thought I was the next thing, the next best thing since sliced bread. And I saw it on that bench. And the only thing in my mind was it is a privilege to play at Nebraska. Um, a lot of guys I went to school ended up at smaller schools. I'm from Mississippi. They went to the Southern Misses, the Southern Alabamas. Like when I went home, Nebraska was looked at like it was looked at here. Like you go to Nebraska, like go back and work hard, go earn your spot. And my entire time, like I kept getting a little bit more playing time. And it sucks. Jeremiah got hurt in the spring and we was competing. And he missed that spring, and I got the upper hand, and I ended up playing my senior year. But it never crossed my mind that I was leaving because I don't. I, it, it just never crossed my mind. All I like, I actually get another year with Coach Dobson. Like I actually get a chance to live in Nebraska again. Like I actually get a chance to like come out there. It was. It was just. It was a lot different for me, just from my understanding. Like I almost get emotional thinking about. It. Like I, it, I don't know. That would have hurt me thinking about leaving Nebraska. Like. When I was at Nebraska, it just meant so much to me. Like, when I came to Nebraska, I felt it on my visit. And when I was here, like, all I wanted to do was, like, be like the greats that walked around. Like, you see so many old linemen greats when you walk down that hall. Like, I don't know, it kind of makes like, me chills right now. Like, I'm not, I wasn't leaving that. Like, I don't know, it's different. Maybe different now. That's just the way it was. Like, when I got here, it was Ricky Henry here, Mike McNeil, Niles, Pierre Allen, Ricky Tenars, Gomes, Roy Halou, Prince, Eric Hag. Like, the culture was set. Like, that's what it was. The, all these guys, I'm talking about NFL guys, Eric Hag, Gomes, Roy, uh, um, Prince, Niles, Ricky Henry. These are guys who, none of these guys probably started off starting. I see guys who've been uh, seniors red shirt. Guys came from JUCO like me, guys who didn't play for the, to, until they was a junior or a senior. So the culture was set. You work, you earn your spot and you work for it. And that, that's, what I, that's what I came in as a part of. Like the leaders that I just named, it was, you, you're not going to leave if you come in under that type of culture and that type of leadership. Like you just want to work hard. It, it just didn't – like I think when I was at Nebraska, two people transferred. But I was only here two and a half years. Cody Green and – um. He was Robinson, a running back. Duntravius Robinson. Duntravius Robinson. It was him and Cody Green. But after I left, like Braylon Hurd, Breon Kearns, Chase Rohn, Harvey, like Aaron Green, Tyler Moore, Todd, Pete. Like when I was there, they was there. But when I went back and looked at it, all those guys ended up transferring. But when I was here for two and a half years, it was two guys that transferred. Like, 
that's what it was. But Cody Green felt like he had to go play somewhere. And Trey Robinson, he was behind Rohalu. Amir came in and got in front of him. Rex Burkhead, like it was, it was just one of those things. He he had to go find a play uh, spot to play. So the culture was a lot different, man. I, I, it was just a lot different. You didn't want to transfer. So you said the culture was set about, I don't know, 83 times there. Yeah. <laughs> People talk a lot about culture. It's something that they throw out there. It seems like it's kind of undefined. Okay. Do you feel like the culture is not set at Nebraska now, or they're trying to no. redefine it, or they lost it, or what is going on with that that part of – what's it mean and what is going on in your estimation? Yeah, I want, to take, I want to take this back. I don't want to say anything. I'm not saying Nebraska culture has changed, anything like that. I maybe said that in the um, last five minutes of talking, but I just meant that's what the culture was when I was there. I'm not there. I'm not inside those walls. I don't know. I'm just a big fan who reads everything on Twitter and and kind of kind of get a little happy or a little mad about it. So I'm just one of those guys. I, uh, but the culture there now, when I I go there and work out and I see guys that happy, I see guys staying act after they're working out. I see guys still hanging out. I see guys putting in the extra time. I see guys that have a lot of pride in it. So I don't know if I'm not seeing the guys that are transferring, but everything I'm seeing when I go to Nebraska and work out. It makes me smile. Like I, I think, but right before it started snowing, I was going to run on the track again because it, it, the restrictions. I, I was back on the track running, and you see so many guys walking from the Hawks back to the locker room, and it was just making me so happy. Uh, I get out of my car to get to the track. You can just see the weight room just, just dumping with energy. So I, even that's now, what I, yeah, like today. Oh uh, well. It was two weeks ago, my last time at the stadium. So I, I go to the stadium and run three times probably a week. Uh, then snowed in probably the last two weeks. But before COVID hit, I worked out at the stadium every day, five days a week. So yeah. I was seeing I was seeing these guys. I seen uh, the screen coach. I was seeing these guys put these numbers up. So when these videos was coming out, I'm headed to do my workouts. I hear these noises coming out. Like, I feel that. So I, I can't say that the culture – there's a lot different. I'm just saying from when I came in, the culture was set with you earn your, you earn your spot here. You might get a chance to go to the NFL. And when I got there, we had a guy go first round. We had guys went probably the third round that year. We had a guy went fourth, fifth. Like it didn't stop. And it was like, okay, uh, I believe, I trust the process. I believe the process. Like, you know, Bo talked about trust the process. <laughs> so you, you know We're going to have to go that, into that in depth sometime. You, you realize that. Yeah. Oh, it, 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 it was it was a lifestyle. You heard process a lot. Like I probably repeat things a lot. I probably learned that from Bo because Bo, the process, you got it here. You're going to trust this process. And it was one of those things that stuck with me. OK, so what is the process then? We got two uh, things that are really kind of like they're like gooey. You know, they're not a yeah. they're not a concrete definition. You got the culture thing and now you got yeah. the process. What the hell is the process? Uh, the process was win the day. The process was win everything you're doing. The pro the process was not taking not taking the easy way and and want to crawl out of workouts. And it was just a way when I got to Nebraska, I, my first workout, I struggled so bad. And and Rex Burkhead was like annihilating the workout. I was like, I've never seen this. Like 
I don't know if I'm going to live today. And Rex Burkhead was like basically lapping me on this workout. And he just, he was told, he told me his first day was the exact same. And it was, it's just little things like that, man. Just for me coming in, not knowing the playbook, thought it was another foreign language because in junior college, we ran toss, sweep, and ISO. And I think my first day they got in the hug. He said, Bop the trip right gun, 876 something. I, and I, I, I never forget, I said, I got the defensive end. <laughs> That's all I remember <laughs> telling myself. I have the defensive end. I don't know what he just said, but I'm going to go with I have the defensive end. So it's just me trusting, like, all the guys who took their time to build in and earn your spot and just trusting the process that Nebraska, even if you don't finish this in football, you're going to be set off in life because of great people here. So basically, basically you're learning – Rex Burkhead kind of was the one that was there ahead of time and basically encouraged you that, yeah, it's going to be okay. Yeah. And, and basically, and Sue used to come back and work out with us and ran conditioning with us. Like when I first got here, I was overweight. It sucked so bad. And like, I can remember Sue running with us and just telling me like, stop feeling sorry for yourself. Get up. Like you can get through this. Everybody did this. When you first get here, you're fresh out of high school, you're fresh out of junior, you don't know anything about Division One workouts. You think you're running hard, you think you're working out, and Coach Dobson, he just put it on me. Your first week there is no easing into it. You get it put on you the first week, and I just remember struggling so bad. And just every, I, was getting, I was like you, I'm tired of hearing this process thing. Like I'm waking <laughs> up and I can barely walk, and you're telling me about a process. I'm going in here reading this playbook and I'm going on the field and you still tell me about a process. I don't know what's going on. And the more I was like, the more that I, the, the, like the culture, the culture was you don't pout around here. The players tell you the truth. If you pout, the player tell you why you're not playing. And the same reason the coaches tell you you're not playing. So it's kind of like the coach was going to tell you why you're not playing. So you're not pouting. So it's kind of like one of those things that, Nobody really was saying culture around there when I was there. We heard process, but the culture just when I was there, like if you didn't like that you wasn't planning, you walked around pouting, like a player would tell you, you're out of control out there. You don't know who plays. This guy's better than you. Like I missed that honesty, and like that made me the best at Nebraska. Like Mike Caputo came and told me, like I was pouting one day. He was like, you don't know the plays. <laughs> like what do you want? You, he said, if you were a coach, and you had a guy who you thought was talented. You had a guy that you thought was less talented. But you can trust one for 90% of the time. You can trust one for 60% of the time. Which guy are you taking? And and it's just like, yeah, you're right. <laughs> and it was just that honesty. And that, I don't know. I'm, I'm going to say it, that was the culture. We told each other the truth. But I don't know. <laughs> I don't. They maybe do that now. I'm not saying they don't. That was just That's just what it was. We told each other the truth and you wanted to earn it. Well, and, and honestly, if you look at what you're saying, then there is kind of a problem in Nebraska right now because basically what you're saying is guys that were there ahead of you were telling you this. Now, when you look at Nebraska's roster, there, I look at the offensive line starters, for example. Turner okay. Corcoran was like a true freshman, or everybody's freshman years are all mixed up now, right? Because okay. of the COVID thing and eligibility. Yeah. There's no, there's no senior starters. There's no, you know, uh, Matt Farniak transferred. Will Farniak is going to the NFL. Brendan James is going to the NFL. Uh, you know, there's the, the roster is very young. 
So there aren't those guys there that have been there for a while that to look at the younger players, because I mean, would you have listened to somebody in your own class tell you that stuff? Or was it guys that were there ahead of you that were telling you this most of the time? You know, it was, it was a lot of guys who were feel for your seniors. They like been red shirt and still they're senior now. And, and they're still getting looked at in the NFL and they already have graduated. Like that, that is just, that's just like, wow. Like, man, you got red shirted. You already graduated. You take one or two class and you get a chance to play college football and scouts are looking at you. Like it probably sucked when you got red shirted, but it doesn't suck now. Like it was just, it, it was just, just me being a small town trailer park guy. Like I said, I'm getting chills thinking about it. It never crossed my mind. Like I'm like, I'm about to get a degree from Nebraska. I'm actually about to play in Nebraska. Like that was just my mindset. Like, um, I think I came in with a lot of guys who, when they chose Nebraska, Nebraska was their only big schools. Like sometimes Bo will come get a guy, he'll be committed to West Alabama or something, but Bo saw something in it. And so it was a lot of us that came from like Nebraska was like, wow, we got this offer. It doesn't matter how long I've been committed somewhere. If you get an offer like Nebraska and you haven't had a power five, like I was committed to LSU, but it was still like Nebraska. That's what it was. A lot of guys I talked to, it was going to not a power five. Nebraska came in at the late minute. Like, so it's a big deal. The day they felt when Nebraska offered them, like, oh yeah, I'm not going that small. I'm going to Nebraska. That's the feeling I had every day in Nebraska. Wow. Do you, do you think that's still there? I mean, we we're not, we have we, we have struggled now for got eighty three years. I don't know a very long time. <laughs> you know what I mean? It seems yeah. like forever since we've had winning football. I mean, it really has. Uh, I mean, do you feel like people have that same? Does it? Do we have that same response with recruits? Do you think at all? I don't, I don't know because when you get on Twitter, sometimes. Like the fans and everything is, we still have the same passionate fans, the same great fans. But when you get on Twitter, sometimes you got big people from the media now who hates on Nebraska. So you're a college kid and you're on Twitter all day, you're on Instagram all day. It probably looks a little different than when I was growing up. When I was going, coming to Nebraska, it was on TV every week because Sue. It was, uh, and it was just like, it's just, ne it never was enough. Like I was committed to LSU. I'm like, I have to watch Nebraska this week. Sue is playing or Nebraska's on TV. Even when I was committed to it, like you wanted to watch Nebraska. I don't know if it's like that or now. Like for us, it is as a fan. I know I don't care what the record is. I'm getting up and watch it. I don't, but I don't know for a 16, 17, 18 year old kid who's on Twitter all day. If people are just bashing Nebraska, I don't know if I had the same feel if I did like Twitter wasn't that popular. Facebook was a little bit popular back when I was coming in, but, you watch sports in all day and Nebraska Sue was on TV. Nebraska was always ranked top 25. I don't, a top 25 team plays on TV. Okay. So, okay. I, since, since we went down this road, I was going to save this for another episode, but since you're going down this road, I'm going to ask you, <clears throat> can there be a culture problem on the offense without are the offense and defense, two separate sides to the same team? Because that's the question a lot of people are asking. They look at all the players that transferred out of the offense. Clearly, there's a culture problem on the offense. The defense is fine. There's no issues over there. I mean, it would seem to me that if you had 
I hate to use the word toxic, but that's what the word I'll use. If you had toxic issues on an offense, wouldn't they bleed over to the defense? Or are they really separate so that they they don't affect each other that much? I don't know. That's that's a good question because at the end of the at the end of the day, you all have to be one heartbeat. But when it comes down between those white lines, it's almost two different teams that practice. So uh, that's that's a, that's a tricky one, and I don't know. I can like some guys didn't like the style of offense probably when we was there. That's a thing you probably heard in the locker room and things like that. And if somebody don't like a style, I don't know if they can look at it as like that makes them not want to be in it or something like that. Or, But, man, that's a good question. Can offense and the defense not even jail in this thing work or something like that? Well, I mean, right now, if you look at it, the defense played. They, when, when we first looked at this team, you know, the first year they went out, everybody looked at the defense and said, Eric Chenander is horrible. He needs to be fired. I got this question. We had those comments on our game threads on our website all the time about Eric Chenander is a terrible defensive coordinator and the offense was going to be the savior. And then you look at this last year and the defense really played actually pretty well a lot of the times, except for maybe Minnesota where we kind of went, what the hell are you doing playing all this soft zone stuff? But yeah, you know, yeah. You know what? You know, the offense couldn't score points, had turnovers, had false starts, holding God knows what. When they should have held the guy, they let the guy go and he hits Martinez and the ball gets coughed up. You know, so the offense struggled a lot. So, I mean, when you're, when you're on offense and your offense is struggling, do the defensive guys come over and look at you and go, what the hell are you guys doing? We're working our asses off and you guys suck. You know yeah, I mean, does uh that you get a little both of that. You get a little bit, we got your back, but come on, you got to help us. You got to at least come halfway. Like, we can't do this all alone. You get to pick me ups and you get the, like, this is going to be a long day if you guys don't help us out. We can't play a hundred plays. Like, you get the brutal honesty too. Like, you come up like, you guys need to pick it up. This isn't good. We're not going to win this way. But like I said, man, yeah, if a deep, if an offense isn't playing good, sometimes that, that could be a little beef. I, I can I remember when our defense was playing so good at Nebraska. I wouldn't say it was any beef or anything, but practice used to get heated. And I can remember words been saying around, yeah, you can score here, but you can't score in the game or something like that. And it made <laughs> practice that much heater, but those jokes, those jokes had some honesty in it. You know, you know, sometimes when they tell you that they so we we kind of got the point sometimes, like you get that from the defense. I think it's just good teams trash talk, but sometimes they let you hear it a little bit more, and it's really how they really feel. So it's one of those things, like, I, I can remember we used to throw deep balls and do all that, and they'd be like, oh, you guys not going to do that in the game. It's like the, the friendly jokes and things. We was an option running team. That's what we did. Or we did play action through a deep to Kyler Reed. Like, that's what we did. So, like, I don't know. I can see it both ways. Well, let's get – we're going to go back to the transfer portal one more time. Okay. Uh, 1,500 players, even 1,000 kids in the transfer portal. That just seems phenomenal. Uh, if you put yourself – I mean, what's going to happen to these guys? I mean, it, let me ask – let me phrase it this way. 
let's say that let's say that Luke McCaffrey, Luke McCaffrey's going to find a team, but let's say Luke McCaffrey doesn't find a team and wants to come back to Nebraska. I mean, how's that look to his teammates or Matt Farniok or any other player? I mean, they go out in the transfer, but it's kind of like looking at your girlfriend and saying, yeah, I think I'm going to go out with other people. And then coming back two weeks later and saying, well, I didn't really find anybody that was better than you. Right. You know, so yeah, I, that's the, that's the thing. I don't, I don't think they, people even, they don't even pride themselves on it anymore. They don't care how many schools they have to go to. They don't care the way they have to go to. I just think the success stories from people transferring and being a Heisman and transferring and being first round picks, like it's made it possible. Like people can do this and, yeah, it, I don't. I don't think it'll ever be the same, man. I don't. I don't think you'll see guys waiting four or five years to wait to play anymore. Like the Matt Jones story is amazing. Like everyone's a fan of Matt Jones. You know why? He sought, He waited his time. He worked. He he earned it. He could have. Matt Jones probably could have went and started any other school in the nation. If he started at Alabama, let's just be honest. He probably could have went to any other school in the nation and started. And he sought what? What was he a redshirt senior? And those are the stories. I don't think we. Those won't come around as much anymore. And that's what I think the game that took that away from the game. Like the pride of the walk on earn well, I think even walk-ons are transferring. I saw. Like, what's going on? So I can't even the pride of walk-ons not playing four years straight and he get in his fifth year and he breaks the record. Like, will we have those stories anymore? Yeah. Wow. All right. We're gonna finish this up with a question for you. Uh, I might have lost you. Oh, I'm here. Okay. What are you doing right now? You you mentioned before we started that you're you're working out. You're 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 hopeful that you're going to have a season. It, describe what you do, like on a to to stay in shape. To stay in shape. All right. I wake up in the morning, take the kids to school, and I go right to the gym. When I get to the gym. Um, I do a speed and agility before I do it. My speed and agility probably takes an hour. Then I lift for an hour. Then um, sometimes I get my O-line work right then. So I do three different workouts a day. So I have a speed and agility that I have to make sure my feet are fast. Then I have to do my regular lifts. And I still do the same lift I did in Nebraska. I get I have my same program from when I was at Nebraska from Dobson. And I do my position work later on in the day or because sometimes I have to go pick the kids up from school or I just have to spend time with my wife. Like I just can't be gone all day. It's just one of those things. So I'm working out like three hours, trying to get like three hours a day of legit work. And it's wrapping up right now. You was easing into it and trying to make sure you can stay healthy and get be, be ready for a season. Cause last year they told us we're going to play in May. They told us we're going to play in August. Told, you had to be ready. Told us in September. Like they finally told us at the end of September that it was going to be no season. So, I just had to stay ready for an entire year. I've, ne I've never went through that before. It's like six months in the off season. You know, you're going back in May. It was like, we're not going back in May. Okay, you're going back in June. Are oh, you not going back in June? Okay, you're going back in July. It just never stopped. But right now, it's just working out a lot three times a day. I'm teaching boot camp classes. I, I teach kid football clinics, and that just keeps me busy. Wow. Do, do you enjoy this? I mean, the, the working out, I mean, do you, is it something you look forward to? Or is it like, oh God, I got to go do this job? Uh, if I'm being honest, I, I I hate knowing that I have to go put my body through that most days, but it's a rewarding feeling when I get done. I'm like, 
this is the feeling I've had the last six, seven years. That's why I'm still playing. Like, if I didn't have that feeling or that same drive or that same love, like, I'm not excited to go to the gym. I'm excited when I leave the gym. Am I going to be sweating? Am I going to be hurting? My entire, yeah, going to the gym is not, I'm not in a happy mindset probably. But once I'm at the, my day is so much better once I know it's done. I know in the past years, this is what I did this day. This is how I felt this day. Like, everything is video recorded when I work out. Everything is documented. Like, I know what I hit this year, this tape, this, like, that's that's what I look for. Once that starts declining or isn't, isn't the same, I don't know. I'll probably be calling you for a job. <laughs> <laughs> Well, I'll tell you what, man, you, 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 people need to stay in some form of shape. Right. Because, you know, I, I, through the pandemic, I did pretty well when it was warm out. I started walking like four miles a day, which for me is, you know, it's pretty good. I bought a mountain bike. I got in that a few miles a day. But I am, uh, you know, because of my heart attack, I lost all my upper body strength. I don't have hardly any of that. And, uh, you know, people need to, if, if you don't stay in shape, you just, that's it. You know, I don't want to be, I don't want to get old and be like a burden to my wife. Yeah. The same. Like now that I work out, I, I, I teach these boot camp classes at five in the morning and it's all shapes and sizes. And I see 50 year old and 60 year old people who I look up to, like they're coming there with their wives and they're working out. And that's what I want to do. Like, I think I tell myself when football's over, I'm done with the weight room, but I don't want to blow up. I, I don't know how this weight's going to get off me if I don't work out. But so it's one of those things that I look, I don't look forward to, but I look forward to it. But when I see those older couples in there working out, that's what I want out of me and my wife. Now she was an athlete too, right? Yeah. She ran at Nebraska, ran track. Yeah. You know, I, I will say this, my, uh, my wife, you know, she wasn't a college athlete, but she's been very uh, health conscious. She's very fit. She looks beautiful. Uh, yeah. She's kept herself in very good shape. And, and that has that had a well, it still does. It has a very good influence on me, which kind of made the heart attack thing more of a fluke. But uh, well, we'll maybe we'll go into that at a later date. Oh, yeah, we need to go. That'll be a good one, too. Before I met my wife, how I ate and how she ate and the things I learned to do and how she tricks me to eat healthy now, how she blend things to put in my food. And, yeah, it, it made so much of a difference. So that's the same thing. It's a major benefit for me having a wife that is fit. Well, maybe we'll do one about health. Yeah. All right. All right. We're going to end there. This has been the Yoshi Football Show. Thanks for listening. Uh, go Big Red. There you go. Yeah, that would be great.